So in our opening session here today, I just want to set the tone for our, our theme today, the idea of being tenderhearted. I think as women of faith, as people who want to know God, who want to wear that label, if you will, of being a Christian, that we have a sense that we want to do it well, right? As moms, as sisters, as friends, as daughters, workers, wives, we want to do it well, right? There's a sense in which we want to get it right, too. How many of you have that same sense in your heart and your mind as well? Yeah. And if you're like me, you probably have some level of inner uh, critic, some level of inner like movie moving on in your life, telling you this, that, how that's going to look. And I think finding out what it really means as a woman of God, finding out what it really means as a follower of Christ to truly be tender-hearted, I think we need to make sure, really make sure, that we haven't been polluted by the world's view of that. It's no surprise to anybody in this room that we live in a morally polluted world. You can hold up a mirror and smile and nod in agreement to that. I certainly can as well. And I know my heart. And so does my husband. Ask him. (laughs) And so we live in a world where not only everyone else around us has this sin issue, has this darkness, but we know in our own mind, if we're honest, we do too. We deal with that. And so when we come to the idea of being tender-hearted, it's going to be important for us to strip away anything that the world defines as being tender-hearted and make sure if we're going to be women of God that we get that part right and we do God's way of being tender-hearted. Amen? Amen. All right. So with that being said... Uh, I'd like to take a moment to pray, and if you feel comfortable, and if your hands are as cold as mine, maybe you need this, reach around the table, and if you feel like your hands are really cold, just slip them under the leg of the person next to you. (laughs) And let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. And you, you just prepared our hearts for this day. You prepared our schedules for this day. You brought so many things together for us to be able to be in this room, holding these hands to the left and to the right of us, in this circle of women, in this group here, people who just want to know you, to love you. And so, Father, we just breathe deeply We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we are surrounded to our right and left with women who also just want to do right by you. And we ask that you would come before us right now and just open up this space in this room here today to really let us hear from you. And I ask God, you would protect my heart and my mind and guard my lips and my words right now as I move into 
opening up your word and ask that you would just have your Holy Spirit go before and protect every word that's said and every thought that is thought in this room. Just ask you and praise you for your blessing right now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. 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 All right. So, so the idea here um, for my morning talk, and I'm going to be talking again um, after our lunch today, but our idea for our morning talk, I want us to start thinking about this idea of um, being tenderhearted in terms of um, not only the opposite of that, but also um, the, the concept of having a, a tough skin or a thick skin and a tender heart. Is I believe as Christian women, that can, we can have both. And I believe we're wise if we do have both. And to say that we are um, tough can feel for some of us like, oh, that doesn't sound very Christian-y. Mm-hmm. It sounds like maybe mean or, or maybe too harsh. But as we look through the word of God, we want to make sure we're aligning what we think we understand about what God has for us with what really God does have for us. And we're going to have to battle against the world's messages to us and our own message and our own upbringing. Some of you were raised in homes where you had to be really tough. You, you had really a lot of life in that, in that house. And you had to develop uh, coping for that and, and that, that toughness on you. Others of you were raised in home where, where you cope, where you got really soft and really tender. And um, like you were wearing a constant veil. Like you've, if you've ever overused a, a tissue and it just gets thin, it just falls apart. And there's a sense in which you feel like your heart and your, your skin gets a little bit like that. You're just so vulnerable. Others of you... I feel like my legs look like right now, just like really thick and dry and prickly. I know you needed that image in your mind this morning. You're welcome. Just keeping it real. Just keeping it real. So somewhere in there, somewhere in there, we either grew up in that mode and we we find our um, comfort zone in one of those ways of functioning. And if you're like me, you might function in that way with your... Um, in, at work differently than you would at, at home with a certain circle of friends um, and then you do with this other circle of friends. So you find yourself almost being like multiple personalities. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Okay. So what we want to do again is we want to center back in on what God says about what it looks like to have a tender heart because we we want to make sure we're not just turning into that little tissue all the time that just falls apart, right? And then we also want to make sure that we're bringing in that strength that the Bible talks about as well. So our, our focus verse is going to be keyed off of this image this morning. How many of you recognize that? Anyone? I grew up with tough skins. Anyone else grew up with tough skins? All right. So tough skins, jeans, clothing. Um, if, you, if you remember this. Uh, Tough Skins uh, was Sears, was a Sears brand, and their policy was, if you remember this, if your kids ruined them, if you got a skin knee before you grew out of them, they would give you a new pair. So you kid, you buy your kid to size eights, whatever, and, um, okay, millennial, whatever. <laughs> Gen Z, whatever the ages are that are in here. If you, who has Tough Skins? Who grew up with Tough Skins? I know they still make them some, to some degree, but the policy at Sears was if you ruined them before you grew out of them, they would replace them and you would get a new pair. 
of, Tus- of Tuscans. The idea was they were so tough, you could just your kids could just demolish them, and as long as they weren't in a growing spirit, they would continue to give them to you. All right. And there's a sense in which that policy, that idea, I wish, I wish that was real life. Like I would just get, like my heart would just like reset and get renewed when it got beat up enough and I could just have this brand new heart. I'm like, oh good, I got really ripped on that one and I'm really bummed and really scared and really hurt and really injured. Push the button, say the prayer, do the things. <laughs> And God would just give me, you know, transmogrify some new thing, which would like reset the whole thing. And it's not, it's not like, um, I have got the old jeans with a patch. I literally have the brand new jeans, right? And so that's going to be our um, little image there for us. And if you remember tough skins, maybe you'll never forget them now. All right. So, <laughs> all right. And our key verse for this morning is in Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, if you just have your smartphone with a Bible app on there, would you open up to Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4. Because the main, the main, um, my main heart and what we're going to be talking about today is that we center in on the truth of who we are in Christ. And what that actually looks like to be women of God and to follow God. We need to understand our identity and who we are in in Christ. So this verse here, nestled in toward the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, reads from the English Standard Version, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And like any good verse that we like to hang on to, I hope we hang on to verses and we put them on our mugs and we stick them on our, our plaques and whatnots because we, we get the whole concept of what was packed into the before and after of that verse. And so this verse doesn't just pop out into our brains from nowhere. It's set in the context of this magnificent letter that Paul writes to this church in Ephesus, helping them to see... Who they really are. Because if I just come to you this morning with platitudes about being tender-hearted and be tough enough when you need to, ladies, go out there and just armor up and you've got this, but be tender when you need to also. If I just zing you out there with all of that, all I've done basically is taken the little plaques and put them on you in a spiritual sense, but you haven't altered any sense of who you are from the inside out everything came on from the outside and i want you to be able to leave this day re-centered on two things number one that you really do know who you are in christ and number two that you know how to get back there because you're gonna forget (laughs) you're gonna have the rest of the world and your own knucklehead brain okay i'm just talking about to myself right now tell you non-truths tell you things that are slightly off from what god really says so i want you to leave here today knowing who you really are and i want you to be able to get back there when you forget because you will we all do right so that's our centering uh verse as we move through today and our centering image And then our our centering goal for our time here together, that you would leave here knowing who you are 
and that you would really know how to how to get back there. In order for us to do that, I think the best example we can go to would be Jesus Christ himself. So I'd like you to hop over to John chapter 2 with this interesting situation that Jesus um, gets into. Um, John chapter 2, verse 23. John 2, 23. I'm going to put that on the screen for you in just a minute. But I want you to have the context of that before I do. So Jesus in John's gospel has just come on the scene and he has performed a miracle. He performs the, the wedding at Cana miracle where he turns the water into wine. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and then Jesus goes forward from that moment and he cleanses out the temple. And he comes forward to, uh, to speak who he is. John's identified him as uh, the Lamb of God. And Jesus comes forward to them and he um, says the following in John 2, uh, 23 through 25. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind was really like. And if you read, if you read this passage fully in its context, it can be easy to kind of misunderstand the basic central meaning of this verse but he's saying that jesus did this great miraculous signs and they start to believe in him and there's some that even come to believe in him even though those signs were miraculous and they were proof of who he was jesus christ the son of the living god and even though it says that people came to trust in him he knew that they would fall away and he didn't entrust himself back to them. And honestly, when you read that passage, does that make you like scratch your head a little bit? Like, didn't it just say they got who Jesus was? Didn't it just say they identified him and were amazed at his miracles? And they uh, believed in what he did? Why would he then say, I'm not going to trust you back? That doesn't seem really nice to be honest it seems like he should say thank you for trusting in me let's do this right and then move on with that from them but see what i see in jesus is this perfect balance this perfect combination of that that tough reality and that tender heart still because even though he knew that they didn't really to the core of their being trust him and he wasn't going to trust them back he still loved them didn't he he still moved in with his mission, didn't he? But he had that um, reality check moment, if you will, of, um, of identifying the situation, making sure everyone else saw it as well, because John knew enough to write that thought down. John knew enough to record that. That wasn't something tucked inside of Jesus' brain. That was something that he ended up later on teaching his disciples about this very moment. So that John would then go forward. 
And the reality is we all know that Jesus loves every single one of us. And he loved all those people that he was talking to in that day. And what it means though, is that he knows how changeable people are. He knows how fickle I am, how fickle all of us are, how fickle, how (laughs) fickle all of us are. And so for us today, as we are modeling our life after Christ and, and thinking ahead to how he lays out what that looks like to be people that are tough in the godly sense and tender, truly tender in the godly sense as well. I think we all can agree that if we give ourselves fully over, 100% over to the opinions of other people, the accolades of other people, the affirmation of other people, it feels good in that moment. But we're going to get our feelings hurt if we continue to live like that, aren't we? Why? Because we're receiving from man when we should be receiving from God. You see, Jesus was so rooted in the reality of who he was. And I... I I caution to even say it that way because we all know Jesus was God. So sometimes I think we just think, well, he didn't, he just know I mean, He's God. Of course it was easy for him, but Jesus was man. Also, he was broken. He was sad. He was angry. He was all of those things and God. So he had even more of that duality and that we can even possibly understand. But what ends up happening is, If we continue to trust the accolades of man and the affirmation that come from man, we get ourselves in this place where we become cynical and we get bitter and we get resentful and we can get jaded and we can honestly just get tired of being hurt. (laughs) And so then we say the tough skin part, we get a little bit, um, I don't know, tough about it, self-righteous a little bit, I guess, about it too, but saying, you know what? I've been hurt too often. That's it. And we draw that line. And so I don't sense that that's it moment from Jesus here. And if we really look back in history of anyone who had the right to have one of those that's it moments, Jesus did. <laughs> right. uh, because he was in the beginning. And so he was through all of the rebellion of Israel, all that cycle of sin and everything that had happened to this point, And he knew it was going to continue. And yet it still says he doesn't entrust to them. There's that wisdom. Of him having that, if you want to use a modern idea of it, boundaries, in a sense. So what we can do today in response to that is pray. Because on my own, my tendency when I get hurt is to just flip the tables. I don't really do it, really. I kind of think about it doing it sometimes. Like, ah, flip the table. But in my brain, that's it. I'm done. Anyone else? Just me. All right. Good. Thank you for that hand in the back. Because I, on my own wisdom, am going to struggle to find the actual safe, good, God-honoring place of what a, a tough heart, in a sense, that doesn't just let everybody in. We have a, a, a little saying here at uh, Lamarada Church with the women's ministry, and we started it a few years ago. Um... When I um, give an example from my own life about how we engage with one another. And it kind of started because I came home from work one day and I had invested um, a chunk of change in some really, really good cheese. (laughs) Anyone like really good cheese? All right. I'm not talking about the Trader Joe's pre-sliced stuff. 
That's good. I'm talking like I went out and spent like an obscene amount of money like at Whole Foods and um, you know, let it breathe over here in Fullerton. I go to the great cheese shop, like really good cheese. And then I found this one cheese that was, I'm not kidding you, it sounds so ridiculously snobby, but it's um, cage aged in Ireland. <laughs> And then they put in this little wheel, and then they coat it in this really thick black wax. And I'm like, well, I want that cheese. It looks really fancy and unique and cool. So I have it all stashed away in the, fri- in the fridge, and I'm getting ready to come home, and I'm thinking about that cheese. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to enjoy that cheese. I'm going to sit down, relax my feet up. I'm going to have my cheese. make myself my own little cheese platter, make it all look all pretty. <laughs> So I get home and I put my stuff down. I go upstairs, check in with the hubby up in his office. Wait, no. I know you're you're trying to. Eat. You will not be able to picture what I'm going about to tell you. What's going to happen? <laughs> so I walk into my husband. He's facing the computer, and so his back is to me, and he has on the tip of a fork, like he stabbed it, my wheel of cheese from this Irish cave, stabbed. With a fork. I have a fork. With a tooth mark out of it. <laughs> so I walk in and over your shoulder, fork stab, cheese. And I'm like, oh. and I, I didn't flip any tables. I didn't yell. And I said, oh, you found the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, he had to dig past like Belvita. He could have eaten that. He could have had the, tra- I deliberately bought like the Trader Joe's and the Tillamook or whatever, Ralph's brand cheese and stuff like that. No, he had to dig that and somehow find my fancy caged cheese from Ireland. And he stabbed it with the fork as he didn't get one tooth mark out of it. And he's sitting like this. So all I'm seeing is the fork here from my point of view and the back of his head. And I just feel it just going, duh. I said, did not do that. He found the cheese. What I said, he goes, yeah. And he's chewing. Yeah, it's really good. I'm like, it is really good. <laughs> Here's the deal. My husband, and this is a joke now we have, he's not cheese worthy. He's not. He's not cheese worthy. Because he could have been fine with Trader Joe's sliced pre-sliced cheese. And I've learned my lesson. I now put um, my cheese in empty bags of like uh, Brussels sprouts and stuff like that. I just stash it up inside there. I've learned my lesson. So in women's ministry, I shared that. I actually shared that story a few years ago, if you remember. But we, um, it's a good story. We um, we have a thing here in women's ministry uh, on those same lines uh, about avocados. And that's why we have avocado toast out here this morning. Um, because if you love avocados and you're like me, if someone offers me an avocado, I almost feel guilty taking it. It's California. You know, they're like $100 for one and all that. <laughs> and I, um, someone offers me an avocado, I'll say, thank you. Wow, yes, I'll have some of your avocado. Or if someone orders guacamole for the table when we're out at a restaurant, I'm like, I'm that fresh guacamole made. But if I offer you an avocado and your response to me is, okay. <gasps> no, oh, there's the door. I'm not going to kick you out. I probably won't unfriend you. I will really judge you. And... I will add that to a list of character flaws that I assume you all have as a result of not liking avocados. What's up with that? And so uh, you are not avocado worthy unless you just like drool and and you would give me your avocado. Ladies, that's my point here today. You have got people in your life that you're letting in that are not avocado worthy, not cheese worthy. They're not. And so as we move forward, Jesus shows us this intense level of discernment 
with the avocado worthy and cheese worthy of people in his life. I'm sorry, God. I'm so sorry about doing that to the word. But for the rest of our day today, you're going to get the chance to listen to some beautiful women share their story, give you some tips on, on life. And I want us to be thinking as we move through the day, and, and, and we're going to wrap up the, the second part of my talk after lunch, again, about this idea of who I really am in Christ and how I engage and let people in and through my heart. And I'm making sure that filter is very, very wide open to the Holy Spirit and very careful, like Jesus was, to the rest of the relationships in my life. So with that, I'm going to I'm gonna just close. I'm going to invite Jessica to come up and... And uh, lead us in a closing song right now before we dismiss. And I just want us to be thinking about that. I know some of you in this room are struggling with this identity issue in your own heart. What you've done in your past, how much you've let in. And now you, you just feel like, I don't even know where to go. What do I even do next? And I've made these mistakes. I've got where I'm at right now. I'm dealing with these relationships as a direct result of what I've allowed in and out of my life. Avocado worthy or not cheese people that I've allowed in. And you're gonna, we're going to just take that moment right now to ask God supernaturally to give you wisdom, to give you discernment, to, to soften your heart to him, and to maybe soften your heart back up to the people that you've had to be really pushing away with. So as we turn to our time of worship, I'm going to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to reach in to these moments. Father God, you know where we're at right now. You know what we need to do. You, you know exactly where we need to be going. And we just, we just turn and submit to you right now. Just give us that moment in our brain right now to let it go. If we need to have new pathways, new ways of thinking, just through this time of worship, God, that you would supernaturally bring to these women that newness and that sense of, okay, all right, I'm going to trust you. God, you're going to give me what I need in these moments. So just hear our worship. Be blessed in our worship. God, be glorified in our worship. And let us have that, that new tender heart towards you and what we need in our life toward one another as well. In Jesus' name. Amen.